then we have to really escalate the noise we make so that we'll be heard. everybody it's gay usa time again uh, in in another slow news week right mary <laughs> <laughs> so boring yes so i'm ann northrup and i'm marion johns glad to be back again and it's nice it's getting familiar <laughs> <laughs> and yet you look so weary of it <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> well uh marion has been a total trooper in doing this for three weeks with me and next week I'm taking off and Andy will be back and Marin will be doing four weeks in a row. Thank yes. you, Marin. You're welcome. Amazing. We uh, we are in awe of your stamina and, uh, <laughs> you know, you've done this certainly uh, several times before, but this is a real test of your uh, stick-to-itiveness, uh, as my grandmother used to say. That's a good one. I like it. Yeah. Well, we're full of uh, headlines this week, and uh, we figured it would be best to start off again with our pal George Santos, now in sitting in a seat in the House of Representatives, while Brazil has announced that it will prosecute him again or reopen the prosecution for fraud, but Congress is welcoming him as a member. And uh, closeted Pope Benedict, who, as as we speak, is lying in state. I think it's the second day. He had a, a very cruelly homophobic uh, proclamation that I remember back in 1992 and onwards, and it devastated us, our community, psychologically and in many other ways. Um, but he's gone, and I want to know how we feel about that. Uh, we'll certainly not hold back on our feelings. Uh, he did so much harm to LGBTQ people around the world. It's just a terrible, terrible story. But then we have Barbara Walters, who was an early supporter of LGBTQ plus people uh, and the first to interview on television a trans child. And she has died at the age of 93. Yes. And uh, meanwhile, in New York, the Proud Boys, uh, the neo-fascist group, have clashed with LGBTQ rights activists over none other than Drag Story Hour here in New York City. I was there. I will fill you in. Uh, sad news. Martina Navratilova has breast cancer again for the second time and throat cancer. Double whammy, she's calling it, and we'll talk about that and how she's going to have to sit out the Australian Open. Mm -hmm. And uh, meanwhile, in Israel, conservative gay ally of Benjamin Netanyahu has been appointed Speaker of the Knesset. Crazy. Uh, Housing Works, our great local uh, organization that came out of ACT UP as a, a huge housing uh, provider for people living with HIV and AIDS, is now the first organization to start selling recreational marijuana in New York City. And from marijuana to Montana in the series Yellowstone, we had a cowgirl kiss. And, Anne, you've got to remind me when we get to this segment, ask me about my Montana forebears because they were there in this part of history and then they left and came to Australia. And I want to know why. Wow. And do you watch Yellowstone? I've seen little bits of it, but it's fascinating because this show's literally set when my people would have been there. 
So I, yeah, you could you should have been cast. It's I know. Goodness. <laughs> well, before we get to Montana, uh, let's start with D.C. and Brazil, because George Santos, the big liar who has lied about absolutely everything in his life, everything. I don't think I can find anything he's told the truth about. Uh, that, of course, is an exaggeration. You don't have to write me. Now I'll sound like Whoopi Goldberg. Don't write me. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, do write me any corrections you have, but I'm exaggerating here. Uh, he is uh, he's landed on the <laughs> the front page of The New York Times with Brazil vowing to reopen its fraud investigation uh, and prosecute him to the fullest extent of the law. Over that lost that 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 checkbook he stole in 2008, and the only reason they didn't prosecute him before was because they didn't know his whereabouts. Well, now they know. <laughs> He's a little hard to uh, not see these days, but you know he has been lying and hiding out for a long time, so I guess that's understandable. This this whole thing. Oh, there he is at Mar-a-Lago with his. Boyfriend, uh, maybe husband, not sure, very uh, confusing. And no, Rudy Giuliani is not the boyfriend. It's the guy between Santos and Rudy Giuliani who's maybe a boyfriend. But his uh, name's also Rudy. The boyfriend? I thought so. I, I mean, I've lost track of which boyfriend, when, and, and who, and all of that. It's still all very murky. But there was Santos hanging out at New Year's Eve two years ago at Mar-a-Lago with all the uh, uh, honchos uh, with Trump. He's he's such a devoted Trump supporter and a really cruel guy about uh, condemning, you know, immigrants or which he is uh, or well, no, not entirely. His his parents, I think, were immigrants um, anyway. Very devoted Trump supporter, very just voted for Kevin McCarthy to be Speaker of the House as we tape on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, and uh, an unfortunate overhead shot of him with his not much hair up here. Uh, he's, he looks he's a young guy. And, and there he is. Um well- That's probably, I mean, one of the bigger problems for me is I've always sort of defended the right to be gay and Republican because this is, last time I checked, you know, a a free country. There are, you know, it's a two-party system. Uh, Of course, you know, there are going to be gay Republicans. But now with this guy, I'm like, gay gay Republicans, bad, very, very bad. Um, You know, it goes against our interests, and and uh, the the uh, duplicity here is is very frightening to me. The bigger connection that we discovered this week was that there was a possible uh, money trail that goes to the Russian oligarchs. Uh, And what do you think? Did you read about that? Yes, and that was mentioned when we first started hearing this story a couple of weeks ago. And but now it's getting more serious because they're tracking down the fact that he. Uh, you know, loaned $700,000 to his campaign. Where did that money come from when he supposedly only had like 50000 in the bank a year or two ago? And uh, the Russian oligarch story is getting more serious and more real. And I think we're going to discover that uh, he's got some very shady sources of his income. They named uh, Victor Vexelberg, who is close to uh, Vladimir Putin, as uh, there's a little bit of a money trail there. I think this was in Lucian Truscott's newsletter. He named the figures being 
God, it was in the thousands. Uh, so yeah, like, uh, 32,000 or something like that, uh, getting up near 40,000. But, uh, it, it seems to be the other thing he lied about was that uh, he had Ukrainian heritage and then suddenly Ukraine was bad and they deserved to be invaded. So he certainly can switch very quickly. He also mentioned at one point that he had a brain tumor. Oh, I missed that. How did I miss that? Well, they're flying fast and furious, these stories. So, But he had an ex-boyfriend before the one we saw in the picture who said uh, he moved in with him, the, the boyfriend moved, they moved in together. But uh, Santos was lying about everything and borrowing money from him, uh, never went to work, uh, lied about having bought tickets for them to go to Hawaii, lied about everything. And so when the boyfriend realized this, he threw all his belongings in a couple of garbage bags, you know, big black garbage bags, and just ran for the hills because it was so clear to him that Santos was such a mess. Uh, but he is now, as, as someone said on TV uh, this morning, he's being investigated locally, nationally, and internationally. So what are the chances he could be extradited to Brazil? I mean, he could be. Well, you know, the whole the, the old story about Brazil was you wanted to flee to Brazil because there was no extradition treaty. That's so right. if uh, if we can't extradite people from Brazil, my what guess is, is that they can't extradite people from here. But that is totally off the top of my head. And that's a good one. Anyway, so that's Santos update. It will change 10 times before our next show a week from now, but that's uh, Tuesday afternoon's update on George Santos. It's very surreal to see him sitting in Congress. Today, yes, it is surreal, isn't it? His first yeah. day. Yeah. All right, so uh, on to someone who really did a great deal of destruction all over the world, and that is Pope Benedict. Hmm. Uh, there he is with his uh, secretary, uh, George uh, Gerwin, Get, wait, I'm getting the name. Genswine. Genswine. Uh, who Hello, German. Known as Gorgeous George in the uh, popular press, together 25 years and widely believed to have been his boyfriend. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I wasn't in the room, but uh, I don't think Andy would hold back on saying that. And the, the problem is that Benedict uh, was a committed uh, conservative and right winger in the church. And uh, although everyone, of course, is falling all over themselves to, um, to praise him now. But let me read you a, a short paragraph that Andy sent to us uh, in his uh, evaluation. Uh, Pope Benedict, of course, was originally Joseph Ratzinger and uh, was the head of the Congregation uh, for the Doctrine of the Faith before he was Pope. And so here's Andy's take. Joseph Ratzinger uh, died an unrepentant, anti-gay bigot and closet case. He was the author of the infamous 1987 church teaching that uh, his homosexuality, as well as everyone else's, was intrinsically disordered and evil. He also wrote that we bring anti-gay violence on ourselves by demanding rights to which no one has any conceivable right. As Archbishop of Munich, he covered up sexual abuse by clergy, a crime for which he paid no price, 
but he did do one good thing in his life. He retired. Uh, he blamed, said, and there's Andy protesting him uh, when oh. he visited New York uh, and says he got a lot of support from bus drivers and cab drivers who did honk as they drove past Andy holding that sign. Uh uh, the sexual abuse by clergy, uh, Benedict blamed it on the sexual revolution, yeah. not, not on the personal priests who were, uh, right. who were sexually abusive to young boys and girls. No, it was uh, liberals who caused sexual abuse. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of, I remember when his comments were published in 1992, which is, you know, the year I actually did sort of publicly come out in, in Australia. And I remember feeling so devastated. Um, it felt like such a judgment because I am, I am, I mean, I am a Christian. I would have to say that I'm not an institutional Christian, but I am a Christian. And, and you do expect somebody in that position to have a more beneficent view of things. But he, he basically did damn us. That was in, that was coded in those comments. Uh, intrinsic moral evil is a phrase I will always find hard to shake. It was terrible. It was really deeply cruel and uh, and really had wide ranging repercussions around the world because he was the pope and yes. he was supposed to be the voice of moral authority and you know inerrant. Uh, uh, and so when the Pope stands up and calls you in an intrinsic moral evil and says you are objectively disordered, uh, it, uh, it, it causes horrible ramifications. Your family rejects you. Uh, yes. Your friends reject you. You hate yourself. Yes. Uh, it causes suicides. It causes violence against you. Uh, and this is a leader of a religion who is supposed to be spreading uh, love and acceptance. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet he was just punitive and nasty and clearly self-loathing uh, if he could uh, stand up and say that. He and he had the best looking, the best looking personal secretary that you could get. Exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, but he called homosexuality acts of grave depravity. Hmm. Depravity. Mm. Uh, so I remember the rage we felt at hearing that. Uh, we were active within ACT UP at that time. You saw Andy with that sign on the street. And we conducted uh, uh, demonstrations when he was in town. He came to town and stood up with uh, uh, Archbishop O'Connor at a local church. And uh, activists went and yelled at them in the church. They had to cancel the event ultimately after they stood there for a while, sort of smirking while people yelled at them. Uh, it was uh, it, it was so depressing and so enraging to hear that kind of language coming out of a religious leader. It just horrible. I, I can viscerally, you know, we said we were going to talk about feelings today. The yep. visceral reaction we had to that kind of language. Was While we knew, we knew he was protecting predators because many people that we personally know in the church have been molested. I mean, we know people who have been uh, Absolutely. abused. Absolutely. So, yeah. And, you know, his... Uh, uh, being put in charge of the Congregation uh, for the Doctrine of the Faith. That was the organization within the church that ran the Inquisition. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, 
Peter Tatchell, our uh, great activist friend in uh, Britain, uh, who Andy's been visiting with some over there, did a great documentary in 2010 called uh, The Trouble with the Pope while Benedict was in office. Uh, And uh, that's an hour long documentary. And we're going to link to it in our show note. uh, Well worth seeing if you want to revisit and and be enraged by all this. Uh, but it's very discouraging to see the the hypocrisy and the um, the ignorance and the blindness of people now venerating him as uh, as this great leader at the time when he did so much damage. The New York Times did five five full pages on Benedict as an obituary, five. I think the obits in general have been too kind. And look up the obit that the Associated Press, Associated Press wrote of incredibly kind. They called him, you know, gentle and a cat lover and all of this stuff. I think it's, it's, it's sort of by the by. I don't care if he was a cat lover who was attached to his books, which is literally what they said as being one of his main defining uh, characteristics. Uh, I'm a cat lover uh, attached to my books, but I'm hopefully not protecting predators. (laughs) Uh, Or engaging in that kind of hypocritical behavior to begin with. Uh, Five pages in the New York Times, five full pages, and this big a paragraph on those anti-homosexuality quotes. Hmm. This size paragraph mm. in five full pages. It, I, I mean, just for news value alone, you shouldn't be doing that. So yeah. very discouraging. Yeah. So uh, perhaps we should move on to someone who was uh, also venerated a little more legitimately as a uh, news leader, and that was Barbara Walters. Uh, and uh, that is Barbara with David Sloan, who was an uh, senior or executive producer for her on 2020. David Sloan is an ex of Andy's and a guy who I worked with also at Good Morning America. We've known him for decades, decades and decades. And he worked with Barbara for decades and decades and decades. And uh, let me see if I can find what da- Here's what David said on Facebook about Barbara. I'm full of gratitude to have had Barbara in my life. She was my creative partner, my teacher, and most of all, my dear friend. It's hard to describe uh, the exhilaration I felt working beside her. This picture was taken at my wedding, and it reminds me of the limitless joy I feel tonight for having known her. Well, at least Barbara Walters was friendly to LGBTQ people and supportive and uh, won a number of GLAAD awards in including what was it? The first, uh, let me Sarah Kate sent out a, um, a statement about that. She got, uh, she received several nominations and wins at the GLAAD Media Awards for her coverage of LGBTQ people and issues. She also received the inaugural Excellence in Media Award in 1996, which is pretty, pretty early. Uh, and that, that was uh, presented to allies from the mainstream, uh, who were good to our community and helped increase Visibility, which she did, you know, and I was doing a bit of digging around when I when I found out about the the connection with uh, Mr. Sloan there, who, if he was gay, out to her, her producer, lifelong friends, she did she did know about us, she did know about our community, 
And there's an interview from 1983 when um, Harvey Feierstein had two hits on Broadway. He had La Cage Folle and he had Torch Song Trilogy. And uh, she interviewed him for 2020. This is in 1983. And she's sitting down with him on the set of uh, Torch Song Trilogy. And she looks at him and she says, what's it like being a homosexual? And he that so she, might be my favorite question. No, but when she asked him this, I thought, but you know, or possibly you do know, you're asking for the mainstream viewers, the millions of people all across America who this show is going to go into their living rooms in 1983. They don't know. She's asking that very naive question for all of us. But you know what? At least she asked it. And I think it was the first time I saw anybody that high profile in, in prime time who did say those things. Uh, and of course, Harvey educated her and told her and he said, well, we're just like everybody else. We're human. I urge you to watch that on YouTube. It's really fun. But that was a long time ago, 1983. And then the transgender series, that was 2007, which is before. Yeah, that's where she interviewed Jazz Jennings, who that's at the Jennings. time was about six uh, yeah. and a very, you know, forthright trans child. Uh, and that was certainly groundbreaking to do yeah. that interview. Uh, you know, my objections to Barbara are that I found her often a little, as someone said today, unctuous. Uh, <laughs> she, it's a little hard to take sometimes. And yeah. her gushing over celebrities was really mm-hmm. off-putting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she did ask uh, some very tough questions of mm-hmm. politicians and was fearless in that regard. And I appreciate that. I I resist the definition of her as the first, since Mm. there are so many women who were on the air as newswomen uh, before her. They may not have had the opportunity to be uh, uh, co-anchors on a morning show that she really fought for and had to fight for. But, uh, you know, let's not forget uh, Pauline Frederick at the U.N. or Nancy Dickerson or Sylvia Chase or Liz Trotta in Vietnam or you know, those were the people I was watching growing up and, and were my role models as uh, reporters and correspondents. And, uh, I, you know, I, I give Barbara credit for her ambition and her relentless uh, hard work, but uh, she she's she's getting a little uh, much of the uh, over overpraise uh treatment too. Uh, But I'll tell you my favorite story about Barbara, which is a a good story about her. Uh, Mark Siegel is a legendary lifelong activist uh, currently in Philadelphia. He was at the Stonewall riots in 69. He runs the Philadelphia Gay News, has been in Philadelphia for a long time, helped create senior housing there. He's a great guy and wrote a great book that's uh, very entertaining. And he tells the story of how in 1973, uh, when Barbara was co-hosting the Today Show, Uh, He was part of a group of gay activists who invaded the set of the Today Show. It's one of our favorite things to do is to walk on to live broadcast (laughs) and really upset the people there when really we're just like everybody else. So so they do that. And... uh, and the show went to commercial uh, while they, you know, ran around tearing their hair out. Barbara got up from her chair, went over to the activists with a notepad pad and a pen and started interviewing them off camera to find out who they were, what mm-hmm. they were doing there, what their uh, concerns were. 
And as the show started to come back on the air, uh, her producer or co-host or whatever said, you know, Barbara, I got back over here. You're due at the desk. Uh, and she said, uh, no, I'm getting the story. And that, that show of respect for the activists, that, uh, that equal treatment of getting the story of whoever was the story mm-hmm. uh, is more impressive to me than any celebrity interview or palling around with Roy Cohn for years or gushing over Mike Bloomberg. Those are the kinds of things that I really could do without. So I, I have mixed feelings about Barbara. I, I, I feel you. I do too. I feel she did. She did do a couple of things that I don't understand who she was as a personality in New York and what her private life was and her private allegiances. But in terms of an interviewing technique, I do like the way she always looked for the humanity in the subject, uh, even if they were a celebrity who are two-dimensional you know, products, basically. But she always wanted to know more. And um, I, liked, uh, I liked the way she tried. She was trying to coax Ricky Martin come out at a time when outing was just about to become this massive thing in the zeitgeist of what was the year 2000, I think. And he said he felt violated by this. But this is very tricky uh, territory because I was interviewing a Hollywood actress. I will not say who it was, but a very A-list Hollywood actress who had a very um, strange interview with me, chain smoking with dark glasses on, and she was dying for me to ask her. She, I know looking back she wanted me to get her to come out. And I knew she did, and I didn't quite have the courage. I didn't really get my Barbara Walters on that day. I wanted to be too deferential, and this is the problem. If you are too deferential as a reporter, you don't get the story. You don't get the scoop. So, And you're not being honest. You're not being honest. Uh, I have no sympathy for Ricky Martin. Uh, To me, I go right back to the old formula of if you are a celebrity, you have given up privacy rights, and you are certainly entitled to be asked that question. If you don't want to answer it, say, I don't want to answer it. But for him to say 20 years later, I still have PTSD from that. Get over yourself. Uh, So I'm not impressed by that. Here's what I am impressed by for Barbara. She she put lesbian co-hosts on The View. She put uh, uh, Rosie O'Donnell there. She put Raven Simone there. Uh, there have been, she, yeah. she let Joy Behar kiss her on the lips. Yeah. Uh, you know. She's a curious person. And I think that that is, that is, children are curious. This is what makes us human. And I'm glad she brought it into the newsroom. I'm glad she brought it into mainstream television. Yeah, well, she wasn't the only one, but uh, I, I give her some, some credit. <laughs> Big of me, I know. Uh, all right. Well, uh, those I think Santos, the Pope, and Barbara Walters are, are the big three at the top of the show now. And we've done half the show on this. So uh, let's move on to yep. some other things. Um, well, there, there was a big dust up this week in New York in Jackson Heights, Queens, where there was another drag story hour. And we now call it drag story hour rather than drag queen story hour, because, in fact, it was a... Yeah. a, a, a a trans man or a a male drag uh, persona doing the drag story hour uh, in Jackson Heights, Queens. And so we thought, oh, you know, we had a a problem a couple of weeks ago and these wackos who call themselves guardians of divinity, get Mm -hmm. it, G-O-D, were threatening to show up again. 
So uh, a demo was called for Jackson Heights, Queens. Uh, this is what resulted. Nice. And to our surprise, it wasn't just the Guardians of Divinity who showed up. It was the Proud Boys. Uh, the armed uh, fanatics, there are some Proud Boy leaders uh, who were there, very, very scary. Uh, and as you saw, uh, tons of cops. But there was a huge uh, showing by our side, who I like to refer to as the good guys, who greatly outnumbered the Proud Boys. If you look at the picture there, on the, that's the library behind us. And on the second floor, there are people uh, who are attending Drag Story Hour uh, and librarians and parents. About 70 people showed up for Drag Story Hour in spite of this insanity outside. Uh, and the Drag Story Hour was evidently very successful. But, man, it was a melee outside. I mean. Uh, really, really uh, frightening because... Uh, the Proud Boy types, of course, were really out of control. And there were some uh, people on our side who were a little overexcited. And the cops were chasing people up and down the street. And they got a little violent with our side, pushing people back uh, with barriers and, and being inappropriate in uh, going after us. And then the, the punchline to the whole event was that the uh, cops escorted the Proud Boys to the subway Thank and you. open the doors so they could get in for free. Daily News, yeah, Daily News uh, did run that video of them all going through the gate and the cop telling the person filming they can ride for free. I mean, what? I think they, they had them confused with the Guardian Angels. Do you think? Maybe. No, no, I think they really, I'll give the cops a little benefit of the doubt that they were trying to clear them out of the neighborhood Maybe. as quickly as possible Maybe. and not uh, risk any further confrontations. But it wasn't a good look. No. Uh, meanwhile, Kirk Cameron, are you familiar with him? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately. Brother of Candace Cameron Bure, uh, devoted Christian evangelist. Kirk Cameron is now holding uh, story hours and readings for kids at libraries of his new Christian book. And uh, throngs of people are showing up for this. Scarsdale, New York, throngs of people for Kirk Cameron. Isn't that just Sunday school? I mean, that's just Sunday school. I, I did that. I did that. And I came home crying about something from the Bible. And my mother said, OK, you're upset. You don't have to go there anymore. That's abusive. <laughs> Is that because of the violence? In the, yes, yes. In the Somebody got stoned to death and I came home crying. It was terrifying. Yeah. So give me a and drag. Also, there's a production called Drag Queen Christmas that's been going for years, like a decade, traveling around, putting on shows at various auditoriums and stuff. This is a longstanding production, which is probably a little risque here and there, but uh, advertised as a, a more adult uh, performance. Well, they have some dates uh, in Florida this year, and Florida is now looking to prosecute them. And uh, let's see, uh, they're having a state investigation of the performances. Uh, they say it's sexually explicit performance marketed to children. Well, not really. Uh, it's been going on for eight years, and what else do I have? Uh, 18. Oh, and this year it was uh, is advertised as only for those 18 or over or accompanied by an adult or a parent. Mm. So they're coming after us. Yeah. 
Uh, and did you see the uh, libs of TikTok leader on Tucker Carlson? I did. She's finally come out and declared herself and uh, put her name to her, her thoughts. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a shock uh, because we always said the younger ones will be better, but I always said not necessarily. Not necessarily. Young young people can choose the wrong side as well, and uh, she's uh, – She's. I love the way that these people are claiming to protect the children. I really, I really do. But uh, she went on Tucker Carlson for I think almost the whole hour and uh, labeled all gay people uh, evil groomers. All, all gay people. Uh, And she turns out to have been at the Capitol on January sixth. To yes. Yes, she's wearing the Trump hat and they've done a freeze frame and, and uh, it's awful. And she's wearing the same ring. She wore the same ring on Tucker Carlson as she has in the screen grab from January 6th. So that's uh, a little scary and a little unfortunate. Well, here's something else scary that I ran across this week uh, that I just have to take a minute to uh, tell you about. There's a Harvard professor named Adrian uh, Vermeule. And he was explaining the right-wing approach to law and uh, Supreme Court uh, rule. He says there's something new, and others I'm sure have heard of this, uh, called common good constitutionalism. This goes beyond uh, originalism because it's not trying to take the original words of the Constitution and uh, impose them on uh, present-day issues. It says... Forget the Constitution. Forget Mm. anything that's written down. We are coming up with a new interpretation that says we will determine what is in the common good. Mm. And that is how the Supreme Court should rule. And here's what's on his list. Uh, People should have respect for rules and rulers. Mm. Respect for societal hierarchies. Mm. I'm already in jail for 20 years for these. <laughs> Candid willingness to legislate morality. Uh, and courts should bypass precedent. This comes out of the Federalist Society and was provoked by the Bostock decision a few years ago that read uh, gender identity and expression into sex discrimination laws and expanded that. That so angered the right wing that they have come up with this new theory that just says, forget everything, you play by our rules, and that's all that matters. It's very scary. It just means we go back to the Eisenhower years. Doesn't it just mean we, we rewind the clock to like 1953? Isn't that what this would do to our society? I, I think that's a slur on Eisenhower. I think we're going back way beyond that. Yeah, uh, but it's a very scary approach, and watch out for that as everybody's justification. Uh, by the way, uh, the GOD people who attacked the uh, library drag queen story hour a couple of weeks ago, uh, a third member of them has been arrested for uh, coming after Eric Botcher, city councilman. Wow, three. Uh, and also in New York, maybe this will get rid of our New York stories. Um mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like Hector LaSalle, uh, Governor Hochul's nominee to be chief judge of the Court of Appeals, the highest court in New York, is not doing well and may be going down to defeat. No, nothing official yet, but uh, Alan Roscoff's Jim Al's club has now condemned 
him uh, and uh, more and more members of the legislature are lining up to say they're voting. The only person who likes him as a pick is her. And you have to ask why. I I really want to know why. Uh, Latino representation. She's going It's like big deal. That's the one thing. It seems to be the one thing. I mean, it is a big deal, but you know what I mean? In the face of uh, the disapproval that it looks like uh, he's attracting, it's kind of like she's like a dog with a bone. She's not letting go. Well, there may be a follow the money aspect to this. Donors, donors who want a more conservative judge, uh, because that's what it does. It gives a solid majority conservative rule on the court in New York. Strange. And speaking of courts, uh, in Florida, the 11th Circuit uh, Federal Court of Appeals uh, has ruled seven to four Republicans against Democrats that uh, the young trans uh, student, Drew Adams, who was suing for access to uh, the correct bathroom for his gender identity, that's him on the right there, uh, loses uh, the court says that uh, uh, he should not be allowed to, that it's okay for schools to forbid uh, trans kids to use the correct bathroom. They must go use their original gender identity bathroom. Uh, this is against other federal court rulings, so this may very well end up in the Supreme Court. And you say to yourself, but wait a minute, didn't the Supreme Court already support Gavin Grimm? That's from right. Virginia? But all they did in that case was refuse to, uh, uh, you know, consider a lower court case. So it is not it hasn't been overtly decided by the Supreme Court. So watch out for trouble there. Yep. Uh, And follow Lambda Legal for updates because they are on the case. Exactly. Uh, All right. And we got to hopscotch through some stuff in Arizona. uh, Out lesbian Chris Mays, who was running for attorney general as a Democrat, has finally, finally been certified as the winner. They had to go through an automatic recount. She ends up winning by 280 votes in a statewide vote. That's not much. She's well, she's still a third out lesbian. She's uh, claiming her space with Maura Healy and Dana Nessel. So there's three attorney generals of a state in U.S. Well, well and Maura Healy's now gone on to be governor of Massachusetts from that state. And Dana Nessel is a, a fantastic activist who how she ever got elected attorney general, I will never know. But she's fantastic. Uh, in California, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom has appointed Judge Kelly Evans uh, to be the first queer woman of color uh, on the California Supreme Court. That's her in the pink uh, shirt and black jacket. She has worked for the Department of Justice, uh, served on the ACLU and National Center for Lesbian Rights boards. She is uh, uh, she grew up in public housing. She helped end the death penalty in uh, in California when she was working for the state. Uh, She is a superstar Mm-hmm. and uh, a great addition to the California Supreme Court. Meanwhile, in Missouri, they are uh, supposed to tonight, uh, and we're taping on Tuesday, we'll update you next week, but they're supposed to execute Amber McLaughlin, the first trans person to be executed. Uh, she's 48. She killed or 49. She killed her girlfriend in 2003 before she transitioned. Yes. Uh, she transit. She had a tremendously abusive uh, childhood. A foster mother who rubbed feces in her face. Uh, that kind of stuff. 
she went to prison and transitioned there and has been a, a so much happier and more productive person. And yet they are uh, scheduled to uh, impose the death penalty on her tonight. Yeah. I mean, I believe her mental health issues were not brought to bear on the court case. Uh, and that's she's pleading mental health uh, for, for a, a stay. So we'll see yeah. what happens. Uh, Martina Navratilova, uh, diagnosed with breast cancer for the second time. That's her with her wife, Julia, who you may recognize as a character on the Real Housewives of Miami. <laughs> poor, poor Martina. I feel for her. She's, uh, she, uh, has got the double whammy. She, she says she was just about to hop down to Australia where she was going to be a commentator for tennis channel at the Australian open. She's obviously a much loved figure. We're a, a nation of tennis nuts down there. Uh, but this is a, is a, I believe she was, uh, she found a mass in her uh, breast after also finding a lump in her neck that wouldn't go down, uh, last year. So she has been, um, She's going into treatment, and we wish her the best because uh, we would not like anything to happen to the 59-time winner uh, of major titles. Yeah, uh, she says her throat cancer uh, is HPV-related, a warning to everyone. I hope you can uh, connect the dots there. Uh, and she's a great activist, of course, uh, in Australian tennis because she fought long and hard to get uh, Margaret Court's name taken off the stadium there. Not a fan of the court. Not a fan of the court. I, yeah. I don't blame her. She, she and Billie Jean are, are the two champions of uh, free speech uh, for queer women in tennis. Thank God. Well, Margaret Court has just been loathsome in her uh, ultra-evangelizing Christian condemnation of lesbians in tennis and gay people in general. Uh, but on a happier note, Robin Roberts has sort of begrudgingly announced that she and her longtime partner, Amber Lane, are planning to marry in 2023. They've been together since 2005. Both have fought cancer and uh, triumphed. Uh, so we wish them all the best, certainly. Yes. All right. Uh, should we move on to other international news? Sure. Uh, well, as you know, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu has regained uh, his leadership in Israel uh, as a leader of the Likud party and is just getting more conservative by the moment, if that is possible. But it turns out there's one gay member of the Likud party there on the right in this picture, uh, Amir Ohana. And he has been uh, appointed by Netanyahu as the Speaker of the Knesset. Uh, the legislature there in Israel. He's right wing, uh, but as a member of the Knesset, he walked out when they were casting some uh, anti-LGBTQ plus votes there. He said he, even though it was his party that was proposing those uh, bills, he could not in good conscience vote for them. So he walked out, but now he's the speaker of the Knesset and that will be interesting to see what they'll do with the out gay speaker. Yes, it will be interesting indeed. This is an ongoing um, issue we're going to have to face is the, the leaning to the right of certain people in our so-called community. Uh, yes, and right-wing leaders uh, worldwide. I was fascinated to see that Bolsonaro is now in Orlando, Florida, hiding out. This is wild. Maybe he'll go and say hello to uh, DeSantis. I'm sure he will say more than hello to DeSantis. 
uh, it reminds me of when uh, who was the Panamanian dictator who uh, wound up in Florida as a, a refuge. I don't know, but um, uh, it, it's going back and forth all over the world. Uh, well, and we've told you Andy is in London. Uh, he'll be back in a few days. Uh, they had a big New Year's fireworks display in London. Right that included a tribute to 50 years of pride as part of the fireworks. And we're going to uh, set to music of Cher and Sylvester because they're so up to date. Uh, (laughs) And I love both Cher and Sylvester. Uh, But we're going to link to some video of those fireworks in our show notes. So, you know, subscribe to our once a week show note uh, by going to gayusatv.org and signing up and you'll get a confirmatory uh, email and we'll only send you one email a week. It's really not too hard. And while you're there, you might consider supporting Gay USA with a donation of any size. We love our donors and really appreciate it. Get the year off to a good start with a charitable tax-deductible contribution. That's right. Uh, and a, uh, 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 and we talked last week about how Mel C., formerly of the Spice oh, yeah. Girls, was boycotting a New Year's production in Poland. Yes. Well, the Black Eyed Peas took a different stance. They went and performed their wearing mm-hmm. rainbow armbands, uh, mm-hmm. thereby upsetting the Polish government. Mm. Um, this is this is the ongoing issue. Do you boycott some somewhere, or do you uh, show up and, and do your thing? So uh, maybe it's great. We had both sides of the equation. We got a statement, and we got a, a boycott. So yeah, I th- I guess I take a sort of uh, case by case attitude. But I think either of those options can be honorable, either mm. boycotting or showing up and making an overt statement. What is not acceptable is the third option, which is to show up and say nothing. That's right. Exactly. Please don't do that. Yes. Uh, And back to London, uh, uh, two married men, uh, a waiter and a part-time owner of an Italian restaurant, have been awarded $150,000 by a court because they were so abused by the other owners and uh, workers at the restaurant. Just endlessly harassed on a daily basis uh, and not paid money to them. This went on for months and months and months. So they finally sued and uh, got a big award from the court, which is good. Uh, And then in Nova Scotia, Canada, uh, there's... uh, Yes, this place is fascinating to me. It's called the Bees Knees Grocery and Bakery or something like that in Nova Scotia in a a fairly small town. These uh, women had uh, all their different minority flags, including the rainbow flag, uh, proudly displayed in the exterior of the business in one night in a night of apparent high winds. They came back to the uh, store to find all of the flags pulled down in trash bins with, with feces, human feces smeared all over them. And here is one of the um, owners showing the flags as they were torn down. You know what fascinates me about this uh, this case is that the two women who were recently married their names are escaping me right now, but uh, they actually got so much support 
for the new business that they they posted on Facebook about the flags being torn down and what had happened. And people just came into the stores and bought everything. And they were running out of produce, running out of everything they had. And they actually issued a message to the person who did this, the vandal, who is obviously local. They said, come in and have a have a coffee, sit down with us and have a coffee. And I just thought, what a wonderful thing. Well, I do think that there is often a silver lining to these terrible stories when it does arouse community support. And as you said, it's a small town in Nova Scotia. Uh, So we have our stereotypical ideas of what rural small towns are like and and what the inhabitants think of us and, and what we face there. And sometimes that's true. And sometimes you're surprised by having the community turn out in support. And that then you think, you know, these vandals did us a favor by raising these issues publicly and breaking the silence. You know, so much of this is about breaking the silence. And that's true of the uh, celebrity interviews that we've discussed and so-called outing, which we often describe here as just telling the truth and being uh, journalists, uh, especially when you're dealing with celebrities. But breaking the silence, I um Uh, I've talked to people who, you know, you read about people who say, uh, particularly parents, uh, I didn't want to say anything to my child, even though I figured that he or she or they uh, were part of the LGBTQ community, because I figured it was up to them to say something, to come out in their own time when they were comfortable And I always think that's very sad because it deprives the child of the support they need as they're going through the discovery process, Uh, because the world in many ways tells us as we're young that, uh, you know, that we're inappropriate and that we're alone and we, we feel alone. And so I think we need everyone to be able to say on a regular basis, uh, it's fine. There are, there's a diverse population in this world and uh, that's good. That's uh, enriching. And no matter who you are or what you feel or uh, whatever, we want you. We want to uh, have you in our lives. We're, we're all valuable. And, and we have to break that silence and talk about these things. Yes. And also, I think in a small town, I like the way this community decided what kind of community they want to be. They want to be a community that represents and embraces difference. These women are just running a store that, that offers, you know, cappuccinos, cake, handmade candles, soaps, this kind of thing, and bread and, you know, baked goods. And uh, so what? They've got the First Nations flag. They've got the transgender flag. They've got the LGBTQ flag. They're literally saying everybody's welcome. And in a small town, you would think, you would hope everybody's welcome. And and it's sad that the people who are haters and vandals are missing out on community. Right. Because they're not going to show their face, possibly. You never know with these people. But uh, I love that she she was very, very Christian, very turn the other cheek. Come in and have a coffee. Sit down with us. Meet us. Well, the the haters and vandals feel evidently so threatened. And, you know, we could be talking about the Proud Boys. We could be talking about the Federalist Society. We could be talking about Pope Benedict. They're all missing out on the opportunity for connection and love and fun and, uh, uh, you know, being part of a bigger world. Yes. That's uh, Pope Anne for today. <laughs> Gay USA. Right? Oh. 
you're going to have a really good obit and it'll be genuinely nice. You won't just be, you know, genuinely flattered. Yeah, here, here's my thing. Throw me in a dumpster, please. <laughs> Uh, and I won't be here. So if you want to have a uh, remembrance for yourself, be my guest, but I won't be around. Uh, and on that note, we move on to marijuana. <laughs> All right. Yay. Housing works, New York. Yeah. yeah. Well, here, here's the line at the housing works pot dispensary on the first day it was open. I think there's a demand for this product. <laughs> Yeah. Life is hard. You might as well be high. No, life is hard. This is mostly, mostly uh, Merit. Pope Merit. Said Pope Merrin. That's on my, okay. that's my epitaph. No, no, really. Um, we, we need, it's a medicinal dispensary. Really. That's really what they're, they're aiming for is, is, is it's a, it's a public service for people who need it for health requirements. Well, it no longer has to be defined that way because what they've done is legalize recreational marijuana in New York State, as they have in many other places. But um, I thought so. Housing Works was was sort of no, they're not doing it in that sort of way. It's not really just well. Uh, yeah, that's always the spirit in which Housing Works operates. That's yes. the the spirit in which they provide housing for people. That it's therapeutic and yes, therapeutic. you know most uh, public housing uh, and supportive housing. Uh, in in this country uh excludes people who are drug users yes. uh, they're they're automatically disqualified from uh public housing but housing works uh rules have always been that they welcome uh people who are drug users they're not going to exclude them it's housing for people with hiv or aids uh and maybe a little beyond that now but uh they have been much more welcoming and much more open uh, to a wider population, especially when you're talking about HIV, um, uh, which includes a lot of people who are drug users yes. and who have acquired it through uh, needle sharing. So they've always supported people and, and then tried to give them a place to live that is uh, uh, healthy and move them along in life to uh, uh, a safer, better life. And so certainly a pot dispensary can uh, be part of that. Uh, but we showed a picture of Charles King, who was one of the founders of Housing Works. It came, it was a committee of ACT UP, the housing committee. But the people who were doing it became aware that it, there was such a huge need for housing and that the public housing that was being done was punitive and restrictive. And so they... Uh, God bless them, uh, took responsibility for starting an actual 501c3 and going into the business of providing housing. And they're one of the biggest housing providers in New York City uh, of anyone. And they have stuck to it for all these years and uh, do a, a fantastic uh, job in a very difficult arena. It's not easy and uh, there are troubles all along the way, but uh, they have stuck to their mission. And now they have gotten themselves organized to be the first certified and the first to open to uh, provide this. Yeah. Uh, so applause. No, I, stand, I stand corrected, actually, because it is actually the, the, the first uh, legal recreational uh, yes. marijuana dispensary. So, yes, yes. noted. 
I gave that up many years ago, so I, I do not speak as a, as a client. Although I was, I was the president of the New York City Medical Marijuana Buyers Club about thirty years ago. Wow! I mean, I never took it up myself. I, I don't, I don't have the right brain chemistry for it. But um, I mean, to each his, her, their own. Exactly, uh, and uh, I'm not out to be judgmental about any of it. Uh, but ultimately, I was glad to stop. Uh, all right, moving to entertainment news. Uh, so Yellowstone, they, they had this, evidently this moment of cowgirls kissing on Yellowstone. I searched high and low, far and wide for a picture of this, and there was nothing clear enough or definite enough for me to be able to show you. That's how brief it was. Uh, yeah. but the right wing has lost its mind over this. Well, because don't they own the West? Don't they own the, don't, aren't they the pioneers and the frontier people? Goodness, God forbid there's non-binary queers out there having a quick peck on the lips at a fair day, fairground, whatever the hell it was. Um, you know, I don't know how I felt about this. I felt mixed because I said at the top of the show that I might, these were where my ancestors on my mum's side were from Montana and, uh, Alberta, and they were definitely into into the West and the expansion of the West. And I, I'm, I'm sure there were no queer, non-binary people who were visibly kissing at that time. So I think it's, there's a little bit of revision in, revisionism in there. But but who cares? It's really a, a cute story. Do you know the story behind how that kiss ended up in Episode 7, Season 5? No. So the actress Lily Kay, uh, who plays uh, the character who was seen kissing the non-binary one, she tells the story to Deadline that they were in COVID protocol while filming the show and it was written that her character, Clara, is making out with somebody in the back background behind John and Summer, the characters, uh, Kevin Costner and, and the other person, and they were trying to figure out who would be easy and comfortable to cast for the person who kisses her. And she's a lesbian. Her partner, Julie, was there in Montana with her during filming, and they said, oh, it will be easier if we just have you guys doing it uh, so you get cast, and, and the partner is non-binary. So that's how that happened. They've got a, a cowgirl and a gender-fluid gender, gender fluid person right there in Montana. Wow. Well, we have just a few seconds left, so I'm going to curtail that story there. All the, the right wings are like, that's our show. How, how come you're bringing all this woke stuff into uh, Yellowstone? Ask Kevin Costner. Complain to him. Yeah. Uh, go see Between Riverside and Crazy on Broadway. I saw it. I loved it. And you know how I feel about the theater, but you <laughs> must see this show. It's hilarious. And that's all we have time for. Marin, have fun with Andy next week. I will love to, but I've also had fun with you. Thank you so much.